Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. They've got a chip on their shoulder, or should I say a, a, a big drum on their shoulder, that Notre Dame won't allow the largest drum in the country to come to Notre Dame. So uh, they've they, got a few things to say about that. Well, <laughs> Purdue's looking for things to complain about. They found it, I guess, with the, the drum not being allowed. But look, Notre Dame doesn't allow stuff like that, and it, it is what it is. If they start making concessions for one team, they're going to have to make them for other teams. I mean, they didn't allow the big steer from Texas in. They didn't allow the dog from – georgia in they're not allowing the drum from purdue in. it's a it's a drum you know i mean it's the world's largest drum for one reason and one reason only nobody wants a bigger drum so i mean i don't know what the big deal is it has nothing to do with the game people need to get over it, it it's football it's not i love it you're, you're that's why you're you're here you're a realist man you hit it right on right on right on the head hey later on talking about living on a prayer we're gonna Start the second hour with a couple of players from the 1971 team that, believe me, they're probably going to say they lived on a prayer pulling out a eek victory over over Purdue, and that will be quarterback Pat Steenberg and tight end Mike Creaney. Also in that second hour, we're going to be joined by a superstar defensive tackle for Fighting Irish and the Green Bay Packers, Mike McCoy. Later in this hour, we're going to have our weekly feature, Put Me In Coach, and that will be with Corey Mays, linebacker from Notre Dame. But first, we are so welcome and so honored, and actually, I was I even text him and talk to him how I should address him. <laughs> He's a former kicker for Notre Dame, former kicker for the Chicago Bears, former Supreme Court Justice of the State of Illinois. So, is it your honor, or is it Bob? Yeah, you can call me Bob. Uh, I told you earlier, my wife says uh, your honor take out the garbage, so it's not a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> wives have but a way it, of putting it, us in our places that's for sure it, it was a good second job they had because the, the only criteria for what i did after football is i wanted a job where people wouldn't boo anymore so uh, <laughs> you can say, say your piece in front right? of me that's yeah right. you, at least you, in front of me <laughs> so uh, you were probably always hoping boy I don't, I don't want any cases with any Notre Dame people in there i know no no Notre Dame people right uh yeah, most of them weren't before me. I can't remember. Every <laughs> once in a while, an attorney be from Notre Dame, you know. And people would play off the fact that I played. I, most of my career was in the appellate court and, uh, and then um, 20 years on the Supreme Court. So it was more oral argument than it ever was testimony. I had six years in the trial court. But They'd occasionally make arguments, you know, they'd have like football analogies, you know, judge, we're starting out on the 50 yard line. Oh boy. <laughs> I just started to roll my eyes. Yeah. It, it was an interesting career. My wife, um, when I was, when you become an appellate judge and then a Supreme court judge, you're called justice. Mm-hmm. So I came home one day and my wife said, um, Hey, I had a call today and somebody called and said, is justice there? And Maggie said, no, there's, there's no justice here. And and then the telemarketer said, justice. Oh Oh, man. You sound like you got a lovely, a lovely wife. I was going to say, did 
Did anybody did. ever, you know, when they when they say if a court doesn't maybe do what they think, they punt it or kick it to the next court? Did you ever get that by some newspaper oh, writer? Yeah, <laughs> yeah all these cliches and <laughs> analogies, and I think they thought it would help, but actually I found it pretty corny, to tell you the truth. <laughs> actually, that's, that was one strike in the wrong corner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, Bob, so you're, let's go back. We love to start at the very beginning and everything and go back. So you're coming out of uh, uh, New, New York. So tell me, uh, Notre Dame, something that was always in the big picture for you, or did they uh, compete with a number of other schools? Well, actually, um, my dad uh, was born in Paris, went to school in Italy, played some professional soccer, and I, and I was playing mm. soccer in Rochester, New York, Um it wasn't like today where you have junior teams on every corner. Uh, and we, my dad actually coached me on a junior team. We would travel around the country and, and certainly I played, um, I played at McQuaid Jesuit high school in Rochester and I was playing soccer and it was just about the time that soccer style kicking was starting to come into vogue in the uh, national football league, the Gogolak brothers. And right. one of them was playing in, Buffalo, which was 60 miles away. So the quarterback on our, on our high school football team asked me to, you know, go out and kick and it came fairly easy to me. Um, and they said, uh, Hey, you have to be our kicker, but I wasn't going to give up, you know, playing an entire game on the soccer field for five minutes a season, kicking a football, but they <laughs> right. got permission for me to do both. And I did both. So I was, really geared to uh, go to a soccer school and, and my coach said I could have had a lot of soccer scholarships but football I received a football scholarship to the University of Rochester and wanted to be a doctor at the time and um, and they had a pretty good pre-med program so I, I thought I'd save my parents the money but Notre Dame uh, sent me era sent me a little postcard that you're on file for possible scholarship whatever that meant because, uh, and, and my, my mother, I remember I was sitting in my room and she said, we know you really want to go to Notre Dame. We'll take a chance. And I went and I went in as a walk on and got the job my sophomore year. And, and, uh, he gave me a scholarship. Did you have, um, at that time, what, who would have been the special teams coordinator there? Do you remember? Era. Era did. Wow. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. So, it, it was, yeah. So, it, it was so different then. I mean, training was, uh, era drop kicking and me place kicking before <laughs> practice. I mean, that, <laughs> that was it, but it didn't change much. Even when I went to the bears after my best year, they asked me what the special, you know, there was a new special teams coach and they said, did that contribute to what a great year you had? And I said, yeah, he told me to kick it down the middle. That's the first time anybody <laughs> said that to me. It's great coaching. Absolutely great yeah, coaching. That, yeah. So now it's so different. I mean, place kickers and college and the, obviously the NFL, if they're not kicking 90%, they're out of the league. It's yeah. totally different as far as instruction and video and training and all that but it, I was really in the second wave of soccer style kickers after the Upremians and Stenaroods in that group. Well Bob you kind of blazed the trail uh, for the the two sport athlete doing football and soccer at the same time how how was it to juggle doing both sports at the same time I mean you probably didn't go and practice very often I wouldn't imagine with the football team it was probably primarily soccer and 
head to the games and kick and head back to soccer again. Yeah, it sounds like you were there. They, they, um, I had to get so much practice time in in both sports to qualify to play. Okay. I think they, and I'd get on the soccer field and there'd be protests because. They didn't know you could play two sports. Um, oh, and, and I think they had changed that. But my difficulty was, hey, I was a soccer player, right? So you're right. I'd play a soccer game. I'd get on the bus. Uh, it took me a while to figure out how to get on a helmet. And I wasn't very good at getting it off. And I still remember uh, my first game, the coach bringing me a hot dog and a Coke because I hadn't eaten anything the first football game. And I didn't bother taking off the helmet. I mean, that was a goofy sight. <laughs> you got some. You got some. You got some memories. This is the Legacy Heating Air Game Day Show on ninety six nine sixty AM WSBT. We're talking with Notre Dame, Notre Dame, and Chicago Bears kicker Bob Thomas. So you know, soccer can be a rough sport. I, you know, I played so- soccer too and coached for a lot of years. But how about do you remember like when the first game that you got really hit hard as because you did kickoffs too, right? You didn't. They weren't specialized. I did. did both. I did. I um, yes, I do remember because uh, it was it was um, we were playing I, Jack Pardee. It was my first year, I believe, with the Bears uh, in 1975, and Jack Pardee was the head coach. And after a win, he used to give out gifts uh, to people that uh, accomplished something, I guess, in the game, and. Um, I got hit on a kickoff that I look like, I don't know if you remember, but they used to have the crash dummies and the seatbelt commercial. Yeah, one was named Vince. I remember. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I got hit and my, I tried to get up and fell back down. The special teams coach said it was the hardest he ever saw anybody get hit. And oh, no. Jack, Jack Hardy gave me a bottle of wine. He said I came to age as a football player that particular uh... day. But the, but the kickoff I remember the most was Dick was the coach. We're playing the Green Bay Packers. We win the game, so he's very happy. But unfortunately, in that game, there was a kickoff return for a touchdown. And Mondays after the game, we'd all the whole team would sit there and watch the special teams reel. And we're watching the reel, and here comes that kickoff return. And I'm the last guy in the camera frame chasing chasing this guy and did uh you know he's got these mixed emotions right because he's happy so he's not his typical ornery self but he didn't like this play so he starts telling the team the only guy that is chasing this guy is our kicker and, and then he said bob i didn't know you were that fast so the the meeting ends the meeting ends and I walk out of the room, and I feel this big paw on my shoulder, and it's Ditka, and he pulls me toward him, and he said, hey, one question. I said, yeah, what's that, Coach? He said, what would you have done if you caught him? <laughs> <laughs> Good question, right? That's great. Yeah, it was a, it was a great question. Hey, uh, uh, Bob, you've played with a lot. I'm sorry. You've been you played with a lot of co- coaches and stuff. But ERA is one of those classic that we hear from player after player. So a few comments on playing for ERA the best i mean he i mentioned earlier that he was the special teams coach and um so i i I think i was able to develop a special relationship with him because we spent a lot of time together um on the practice field and 
Yeah, he was the best. I mean, he was in control of every single aspect of the game. He was a motivator. Uh, he uh, demanded and earned uh, respect by the way he, he behaved. I, as I said, I, as you have said, I've I played for a number of coaches, uh, but he's the benchmark. Bob, I got kind of a loaded question here for you. Um, so obviously you were a gifted soccer player, uh, you know, in high school and, and, and going into high school. Uh, first of all, what position did you play? And second, when you went to Notre Dame, did it ever cross your mind to even attempt to do both at Notre Dame, soccer and football? Um, I was a forward. And um, as far as doing both, I, I did play a couple of games for the Notre Dame club team. They only had a club team at okay. the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and here's where my soccer career ended. I uh, You couldn't play as a freshman then at Notre Dame. Right. Uh, or anywhere, <clears throat> right? So... We had three um, three freshman games, of which I didn't. I don't believe I attempted a kick in. I was down the totem pole freshman year, <laughs> so I thought I don't know if I'm going to end up playing here or not. So then I, I did look to play soccer, and I played a couple of club games. Awesome, and, then, oh, and, it, and, and it ended when I went home in, in Rochester that summer. I think it was. I think it was after I played as a, a sophomore and was the starting kicker, and I went home and was playing some soccer, and I twisted my ankle and was hoping it was better by the Notre Dame season. I think that may have been my last game after I twisted the ankle. I didn't take any chances after. Oh, one other game, one other soccer game, and it, this involves my wife as well. I think it was my 15-year reunion at Notre Dame, and uh, no longer playing uh professional football and they had some alumni soccer game so being having a chance to be competitive again after retiring from the nfl i you know i worked out and and was playing some soccer and i thought i'm playing in this game so we play and and i believe we won the game four to one and i scored three goals nice so i come off i come off the soccer field and my wife says you guys won? And I said, yeah, we won. She said, did you score a goal? And I thought, from 80,000 people watching to now my wife doesn't even watch me. (laughs) (laughs) You've got a gem of a wife, I'm telling you. That is great. Oh, she's she's the best. That is great. I've got one more question for you. Uh, I happen to have a a center back and a kicker in my house. And uh, so he's balancing both. That's why I kind of knew the schedule, right, between soccer and football. Yeah. What would be your advice to young players out there trying to juggle both and be successful in both? Boy, that's a really good question. You know, how old is he? Yeah, he's a freshman in high school. Freshman in high school. Um, somewhere along the line, right. He probably has to make a decision, but I, I like the idea, especially in this climate where everything's so specialized for these kids where, you know, age of three, they've got a tennis racket in their hand and that's all they can play or whatever. So the fact that he's able to do both and enjoy both, I'd have him do it as long as he can. Um, and then as, as things, uh, progress, you know, probably one will show as uh, not only what he likes the best, but also what he does better than the other and where he might have a future. But I think at this point, especially as a freshman, I just think that's great. And I think he should, you know, just enjoy both. 
I really did. I mean, I, and as I said, I think they changed the rule in New York after that, but um, I thought it was a great experience. Um, and that, and I, and I think one will surface for them. Awesome. Thanks. Tim and Vince sure. with former Chicago bear and Illinois Supreme court justice, and maybe more importantly to Irish fans, kicked the winning field goal to beat Alabama in the 1973 Sugar Bowl. Bob, how about some uh, memories from that uh, that that game? I mean, geez, era against Bear Bryant. And uh, I remember watching that game. I think Howard Cosell, they were all dressed up in tuxedos and everything. It, I mean, it was the buildup <laughs> of the buildup of games. Oh, yeah. It, it was something else. That, and again, at Tulane Stadium, so not in a Superdome, there I think people wondered if it was going to be played because there were lightning storms before and before the game and uh, AstroTurf that in those days was like a a rug over a piece of concrete, right? So (laughs) uh, not the easiest to step up. I have a couple memories. Uh, Brian Doherty, a name you may know. In fact, uh, he's coming in um, next week. We're going to watch the Wisconsin game uh, together up here in Field with another friend of mine, Jim Zlock. But uh, Brian was my holder, and he was the punter, and he dropped a, a snap on an extra point, uh, so we had a muffed extra point. And every single time that I went out to kick prior to that, in every game prior to that, and he was my holder the entire time, he would say, hey, Bob, no problem, you know, just drill it down the middle or, you know, something like that. So we go out for the game-winning kick, and he has on his mind the fact that he dropped a snap. Oh, no. So we we go out for the kick, and he doesn't say anything. Oh, now, I'm not a superstitious guy, but I noticed that he's not saying anything. So he'll tell the story where, where he'll say that, I, and I'm sure I did. I said, say it. He goes, what? Say it. And then he finally <laughs> said it, and then we – probably the ugliest kick of my career, college or pro, but thankfully it went through. And oh, man. Another quick story about Aaron Bryan while we're talking about it. Aaron was having his 90th birthday, sharp as a tack, and uh, the 73 national championship team was there. And he was, uh, you know, talking without a note in front of him and started talking about that game. And then he'd address certain individuals and he started to address me. And, and this is a true story. As I told you, I wasn't first on the depth chart. So, my sophomore year when I was on varsity, these kickers that were ahead of me, I'd stand by air and they'd miss a kick in practice and they'd come and Harold would say what happened. And one guy would say, Oh, it was a high snap. And Arrow would get, I could tell he was very irritated with any type of excuse. So I vowed when I saw that, no matter what happened, I don't care what happened. I said, you know, he's in tune with the game. He knows what really happened. If I miss a kick, I'm going to come off and he's going to say, what happened? And I'm going to say, I missed it. So <laughs> I did that with hopefully not too, too many misses, but with every miss, I'd come off, right? So now we're, we move ahead to his 90th birthday party and he starts talking to me. And Doherty, the punter and holder, is sitting next to me. And then he said, well, you have anything to say, Thomas? And I said, yeah. Or I said, I, I just want to be honest with you. You're 90. I'm in my 60s now. And I thought it's about time to be honest with you. You know, uh, every time I missed a kick, uh, what what did I say? And he goes, well, you just said you missed it. And I said, yep. And I said, now it's time to tell tell the truth. Every time I missed a kick, it was Doherty's fault. <laughs> <laughs> and was Brian right there too? Right next to me. Yeah. There you go. 
and he didn't say anything. Like, <laughs> just laugh. Uh, that's great. You know, you talk about Aaron. I mean, he was sharp as a tack. We had him on the show when he was ninety, and we were talking about the uh, infamous uh, uh, offside back in Southern Cal that cost us a national championship game. He knew the exact number. He knew the play called. He knew the name of the official that called it, and he was so hot. I even said something, Aaron. Why? Why are you still so? upset about that now and he was like offended that i had even questioned that what do you mean tim we lost the game and that was a well he didn't use any language he just said that was a, a terrible call whatever but oh yeah he, he was just so passionate and he was sharp to the end he, and he was a psychologist too i didn't mention that earlier you know he there were we talked about the fact that he'd work on a i'm sure he worked on a skit for uh, getting into an argument with an assistant coach right at the right time. I, you know, looking back, I think that stuff was planned. Mm-hmm. Um, I, he came up to me I, uh, in our national championship year. I had missed a couple of kicks earlier on in the season, and he comes up to me before the USC game, and he said, uh, you know, you missed some kicks. And he said, we didn't need them, but we're needing, we need them tomorrow, and you're going to win the game for us. You know, and I think we won by nine, 23 to uh, whatever it was, 14, I think. But, um, I, you know, I had three field goals in that game. You know, he, he just knew exactly what buttons to push. Yeah, he, he, he was the best. Talking about the best, uh, you're going to be uh, honored at the Newt Rockney Award celebration next Friday, the 24th, at the Chicago uh, Sports Museum. Um, you're receiving the uh, Citizenship Award. It's going to be an event uh, co-hosted by Chris Zorich and Chris Ackles. He's the new Notre Dame public address announcer. If you want more information, go to rockneysociety.org, rockneysociety.org. And actually, if you go to that site, they'll be able to tell you how to stream the show since it's up in uh, Chicago prior to the Wisconsin game. So great honor. Another one. I'm sure you have a lot of them, but uh, Rockney Society, huh? Um, yeah, I was. I'm honored to get that award. It, it surprised me. Um, looking forward to, uh, I guess, saying a few words when I when I do receive the award. I'll, as I said, I'll have a couple of friends in here um, that'll be there with me, uh, and uh, I think it'll be a great event. I hope people, uh, some show up, a number of them show up, and others uh, watch it as you said uh, live. Well, we appreciate you taking the time this morning. I can tell from Vince and I, we've really, really enjoyed this. And, and we hope you'll uh, say okay to coming back on another season. Oh, I'd love to. I'd love All to. It's fun talking to you guys. All right. Hey, real quick. How long have you been married to your wonderful wife with those great <laughs> stories that keeps you in charge? Or she's oh, in charge. 42, 42 years. And, and she looks, everybody tells me how young she looks. And she really does. And, and I say, you know, Maggie, you've been married to me 42 years. <laughs> Uh, that has to have something to do with how great you look. And her standard line, her standard line is emotionally, I'm 108. <laughs> you know, you, I got, we got to meet your wife sometime. Uh, maybe, maybe we'll get the real story from her. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh yeah. You have a great, great day and go Irish. All right. Go Irish. Thanks, Talk Bob. To you guys We'll be right back on WSBT's uh, game day show right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT and streaming at WSBTradio.com. This is Legacy Heating and Air Game Day with Tim Growl and Vince D'Addario on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. 
And the Legacy Heating and Air Game Day Show is brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air, your cooling and clean air specialist. Find them online at LegacyHeatingAndAir.com. We're also brought to you by Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Contact Mary Begg in South Bend or Kimberly Thibodeau in South Bend. By Fisher's Barbecue and Catering at 213 East McKinley Avenue at Mishawaka for drive-through, carry-out, or catering. Just look for the smoke by Four Winds Casino. Four Winds Casino is your entertainment escape. By Mimo's Pizza. Mimo's on Edison in Mishawaka. If you like pizza, you'll love Mimo's. Manja, manja. By Monterey Mexican Grill. Uh, authentic Mexican serve fresh daily at McKinley and Division in Mishawaka. MontereyMexican.com. And by South Bend Orthopedics Team Physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. Tim? Hey, thank you, Vince. Talk about entertainment escape. But that last interview with Bob Thomas, that was entertaining awesome. and informative, wasn't it? That was great. What a way to start awesome. out and shake you and I out of, out of our doldrums. <laughs> and next, we're going to have a great friend of the show. And if Jim's ready, it's our feature. Put me in, Coach. And our put me in coach player of the day is former linebacker for the Fighting Irish, Corey Mays. Good morning, Corey. Good morning. How are you guys doing today? We're doing, we're doing great. And we really appreciate it. You know, we're getting to be a habit here. Talk to you about every season here. And we really, Vince and I really enjoy having you. Yeah, we're putting something together. You know, hey. we're getting on. <laughs> you, you got it. You got it. Um, before we get started here, coming to any games this season or? I'm really trying to work it out with my schedule. Schedule is kind of different this year, unfortunately. But you know, I, I I'm, I'm trying to work some magic this year. You got it. <laughs> you no, know, we got our fighting Irish got to use some magic so we quit having these close games and stuff. But here we go with put me in coach. Each week we have a guest we will that we will put in today's game at a certain position to tell us what they expect to see, what their strategy will be used against today's opponent, and what they have want to avoid or are most worried about. So today we're putting Corey Mays in at his linebacker position against the Boilermakers. And Corey, what are you seeing? Well, uh, many people don't know. Uh, a lot of fans don't know this week. Marcus Freeman Corporation gave us a booster shot of, do you still want your scholarship vaccine? Because the staff <laughs> was sick of us coughing up too many big plays. So Whoa, you know, we got the it. The thing that we want to do this week is eliminate those big plays. But as a linebacker in this game, I'm not afraid of this Purdue offense breaking the huddle, getting to the line of scrimmage, and running downhill like, say, a Wisconsin. Is that foreshadowing? Yes, it is. But <laughs> if they're watching film, I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to see if it works against us. Now, what I do expect to see are reverses, misdirection, pulling linemen, things to confuse the defense on play action, get us moving sideways to test to see if we have proper gap integrity and fit the run correctly. Because it only takes one defender to be slightly out of place. And the next thing you know, the stands will be quiet. And then be banging mm. that big old drum in the parking lot. <laughs> they want this Notre Dame defense to make mistakes. And this is a great week to clean up those mental errors we've seen the past two weeks and play four consistent quarters. Um, but as you know, since Drew Brees has been there, Purdue wants to throw the ball. And I'm thinking on crucial downs, we're going to see some version of a shovel pass that's been on the table, as we've seen in the past two weeks uh, from Florida State and Toledo. Because people are usually going to run what works against you and won't stop until you stop them. 
Right. And uh, as a linebacker playing man coverage this week on that back end, it's great when you can get to the quarterback. It's absolute hell when you let him sit back in the pocket and watch a new season of Ozark on Netflix and contemplate his draft stock with every completion. You know, it's just it's hard. So whether it's man or zone blitz is called this week, it has to be effective in causing sacks or incompletions. And if we're just rushing four down linemen, they need to get home and cause pressure consistently all day. And so if they put together a drive, let's not panic and score. Just, just so be it. They're on scholarship too. Their coaches have salaries as well. We'll live <laughs> another day. But what we can't do is give up that quick score. We have to make them earn any points they put on the board. So with an actual full week of prep, I think the defense plays better, not where they're supposed to be, but better, right? You're putting in a new defense. You're putting in new schemes. Uh, as a coordinator, you don't know your personnel until you get there and you try to fit the pieces in. So defense needs to grab a couple of turnovers, collect some sacks and quarterback pressures. I don't know if I should do a score prediction yet, but we'll save that. We'll, we'll, save, we'll save that. Okay, okay, okay. But I think this is this is this week where you have to really trust your eyes and be very disciplined as they're going to try to get you to move around, to be pulling linemen, you know, a lot of misdirection. This is a Legacy Heating Air Game Day show with former Notre Dame and NFL linebacker Corey Mays. He's put me in coach, Vince. I, I tell you what, that was uh, about as good of an analysis as I've heard all week, and uh, I think you, I think you got this one down. I, I want to ask you about your thoughts about the the Notre Dame front seven and what you've seen from those guys uh, this 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 season so far through two games. I mean, you said it yourself, a complete game is necessary. But what have you seen good from those guys for the first two weeks? Well, I've seen them fly into the ball. I've seen them hustle. I've seen them create turnovers. Uh, one thing that I kind of put an asterisk on that Florida State game because I think there was perhaps a personnel issue and that sometimes the things that we don't know behind the scenes uh, in that Florida State game, when they went to the three-down lineman after they were up 18 points, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if this was a defense you know, that you just had to stick with and you wanted to see how it worked. It was a good time to practice it. Uh, weird in my head, but you know it is what it is when you, you don't have a limited number of snaps and times to – to get ready or was it a personnel issue to where you had injuries and you didn't have somebody to replace someone hasn't played a position uh you, as you know you had a bunch of linebackers go down and oh, yeah. injuries occur you have to try to make do with what you have so other than that i think it's just really been those big plays i know that the big long run versus toledo uh the defense slanted to the right toledo went to their right mm-hmm. boom home run run you know it was just a perfect call for that play so that things like that I'm not worried about. I think it's when you don't fit the run co- correctly, mm-hmm. just the little things, the little discipline things. And I think sometimes when you are running a new defense, when you are blitzing, when you are slanting, if you're if you're not if you're not strong at the point of attack, you know, it just creates a lot of issues. But I think it's something that the defense needs to settle in. You know, the third time's the charm. So each week you want to get better. I think that's just what it is. You just want to get better, especially with uh, injuries and people stepping up, you know, it's the next man in. You talk about them flying after the ball. You know, I'm not a, an analyzer like you and Vince are. To me, it's almost like they were flying too fast past the ball and they were all trying to do arm tackling, trying to catch somebody that was running by him. Or is that gap integrity? Yeah, so that's that's also an issue. When you are running to the ball, you have to make sure you're breaking down and you have to make sure that you're uh, using proper technique. 
And that's why teams will continue to get you moving sideways because you are flowing fast. If I get you flowing this way, I can get you back the other way, you know? So it's, a, it's important that people will have discipline back on the other side, stay home, make sure that you're not running away from the play and, and just blindly chasing. But yes, that tackling also is something that needs to be shored up and I, it will be tested today. And it certainly will be tested every week after that to the end of the season. <laughs> Corey, so, th- so this team's 2-0, and right? And I'm sure that the first two games haven't gone exactly how they wanted them to go if you're, if you're Notre Dame, but they got the wins. Uh, and that's ultimately the most important thing. So if you put yourself on this team and you're preparing for, for Purdue for game three, there's obviously things that you got to work on. Does it make it a little bit easier to work on those things, knowing that you're two and zero, you don't have that blemish on the record yet? Yeah, it, it certainly makes it easier. Psych- psychologically, you're like, look, we're still two and zero. Like, let's not, let's not, you know, throw out the kitchen sink. You know, like, let's <laughs> not panic. You know, there's things that can be cleaned up. The talent there is is obvious. It's 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 glaring, right? You just see the, so many flashes of it, but you just have to see the flashes consistent for four quarters. Like you see the offense come out on the first drive and just drive down the field like it's nothing. And then all right. of a sudden sputter. Like it's and then at the end of the game, drive again like it was nothing, right? So you you're like, well, it's there. So it just has to be executed. Defense as well, turn creating turnovers, getting the ball back. I mean, being able to create disruptions. So it's there. It's just eliminating that big play. And just playing smarter. And each week you learn, you clean up, and you, you just get smarter. We're spending some time with former uh, Fighting Irish and NFL linebacker Corey Mays. I don't know if I've ever asked you this before. Is there anything you learned playing linebacker the NFL that you wish you had known to play as a college linebacker? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's <laughs> so many. I mean, you know, you just learn about different techniques. You learn about, you know, blitzing techniques. You learn about run techniques. I mean, there's, oh, wow. There's so much I can <laughs> try to break down within uh, 10 seconds. But I think it's just um, learning how to study the game, learning how to study film, right? There's really more of an art to it. It goes way deeper than I thought it could go. So it's, it's, it's really understanding that personnel and, and with the possible chances of things that they're going to do. And that really eliminates your thinking. Once you realize, all right, if they come out and this said, they're only going to do this, this, and this, and that's it, you know? So it's, um, I think it's just the way you study the game more. Uh, I hope that's a good answer. Yeah, that's well, right. I, yeah I, w- I want to follow up on that a little bit, Corey, because obviously in college you're limited to how much time you can spend on football, how much time you can spend watching film, et cetera. You get to the NFL, it's your full-time job, right? So you have more time to kind of pour into it and therefore dig a little bit deeper. Does that sound about right with, with, as far as you learning how, you know, to, to expand your horizons and dig a little deeper when you're in the yeah. NFL? Yeah, I mean, I was in a blessed position, you know, my rookie year to go to New England and watch Bill Belichick and those veterans completely break down film. And it wasn't anything with signals or any cheating stuff. I mean, just go in the room, watch. Look, his right leg is back. It's going to be this play. His left foot is up. His fingers are wiggling like this. It's, it's probably going to be this play. And it was amazing that it would be this play. So it's – it's um, and watching the players, I mean, it'd be eight, the eighth week of the season – he, Bill would come to the sideline. Remember that play we ran back in uh, spring camp? We haven't ran that since May. And, and, and the players are like, yeah, well, we're going to do that the second half. And, I mean, they just adjust. I mean, it was incredible, the, re- the retention and the football IQ. 
And I think that's something that, you know, you also have to be a student in the classroom, obviously, but you have to become a student of the game and, and really dive in and really you want to be on the same page as the coaches are. You got such a passion for the game. Was coaching ever consideration after your career? You know what? Coaching, uh, you know, it's, it's not maybe spot coaching, you know, mm -hmm. as far as that. But, you know, my, my ultimate goal uh, right now is to, you know, eventually get into player development and, you know, um, sure. NFL team or college team. Because I think that's really where that gap is because there is no major uh, if you want to be, you know, a professional athlete. Right. If you want to go on a law, and if you want to be a lawyer, you study law. You know, a doctor, you study medicine. But you know, if you want to be a professional athlete, it's just kind of figuring out. And I think there's a lot of gaps in that situation in which you can really help kids excel. You know, especially with this NIL stuff now. I mean, really taking advantage of their brand and understanding in a short amount of time how much they can really take advantage of their uh, of the privileged position that they're in. All right, well, give us your final analysis of the game real quick again, what you want the defense to do, and then give us that score. All right, defense needs to grab a couple turnovers, collect some sacks and some quarterback pressures, and the Irish will improve to 3-0 and with a score prediction of, drum roll please, Notre Dame 41, Purdue 24. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, actually that drum roll came from that uh, drum in the – parking lot that they can't get in and yeah, we're so far we're so far away we really couldn't hear it get it back to west Lafayette. <laughs> <laughs> hey is there anything anything that was annoying that some opponent did real quick you know not on the field but like that have this big band that they claim the oh man that's well basically the way they played football the years that's their only claim they can have is that big drum anything annoyed you more so than maybe that horse riding around for southern cal <laughs> I think maybe it was probably hearing them hearing that that music all week in practice blaring the USC music, yeah. and then the cold showers in Michigan State. Oh, I mean, it was like a punch. I mean, it should be an NCAA investigation. That's great. I guess they were doing us a favor. Hey, Corey, we, we like this so much. We might even, I might even call you for another game later in the season if you're up. Oh, for definitely, it. man. Please do. Please do. Right. I'm talking Irish football with you guys. All right. Corey Mays, you th we thank you for taking the time and you go have a great day and go Irish. Same to you. Go Irish. We'll be back with the Key Bank Keys to the Game on Sports Radio 960 WSBT, your home for the Fighting Irish. It's Legacy Heating and Air Game Day with Tim Growl and Vince D'Addario on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. And the, leg the Legacy Heating and Air Game Day show is brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air, your cooling and clean air specialist. Find them online at LegacyHeatingAndAirInc.com. We're also brought to you by Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing. Contact Jerry Madsen in Osceola or Craig Langhofer in New Carlisle. We're brought to you by, let's see here, Wings Etc. Grill and Pub with 14 Michiana area locations. Stop in today or order online at togo.wingsetc.com. By the Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Center, OSMC, providing orthopedic care to Michiana since 1973. By Salsa's Mexican Grill. Share good times and great food for this football season at Salsa's Mexican Grill. By Imperial Furniture in Dwajak, where furniture shopping is fun. 
by Food Bank of Northern Indiana, by Shearwood Tire, by Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, by Lechleitner Door, Martin Supermarkets, Pet Refuge, In Rug Company Studio and Gift Shop, by Tim Grouse State Farm Insurance, by Zolman's Best One Tire and Auto Care, serving you and your family for three generations, and by Auto Value Auto Parts, your local Auto Value Auto Parts store where service is the difference. We get it. Tim? And we thank you, Vince. And we also want to thank our next sponsor for the Key Bank Keys to the Game. Key Bank, open a Key Smart checking account today. Key Bank opens doors. For more info, visit key.com. Key Bank is a member FDIC. So as we talk to our resident expert here, we're going to get some keys to today's, they always say keys to the game, keys to victory. We're going to add that. There you go. So, See, add hey, Vince, to it. You're putting more pressure on me now. There you go. There you go. All right. Let's start with one. All right. Well, let's start with some individual guys that, that Notre Dame needs to uh, contain. They need to minimize the impact of defensive end George Karloftis. He is the five-star guy on defense. He's the guy that uh, they're going to need to account for. And look, he's going to be going up against uh, an offensive line that frankly hasn't played very well. And uh, he's primarily going to be going up against Tosh Baker and, uh, and obviously Josh Lug. Uh, but they're going to find Notre Dame's weakness and they're going to exploit it. So they have to minimize the impact of George Karloftis. This kid is a stud. He's number five. Um, you'll, you'll see him a lot. I'm sure that they will highlight him uh on the tv broadcast today but uh the kid's really good and he's gonna have an impact but you you have to minimize it so and i'm gonna call him boris karloff sorry for for me it just sounds better um (laughs) how confident are you that we're going to be able to manage him you know uh i i would like to think that the offensive line kind of went into the, the the laboratory and and (laughs) <laughs> you know, fix some stuff, uh, some some glaring deficiencies that they've had. Um, I, I would like to think that. But George Karloftis is the kind of guy that can wreck a game plan. Um, I, you know, I, if, I, if I'm putting on a scale of like 1 to 10, I'll put it like a 6 that I think that they can slow him down. Uh, they're going to have to do some different things to slow him down. They're, they're going to have to put their run game right at him. Uh, mm-hmm. They're going to have to option him. They're, they're going to have to do a little bit of max protect. You know, the tight ends haven't blocked very well either. So bringing right. one of those over, I don't know how much that's going to help necessarily. Um, but but they're going to have to do some different things. Not One thing's not going to do it, right? You have to do different things to slow him up. You got it. All right. about key number two? Uh, key number two is the other, the other side of the ball for Notre Dame. It's you have to contain wide receiver David Bell, uh, number three for, for Purdue. You're going to see him line up all over the place. Um, he is dynamic. He's a dynamic receiver and Jeff Brom, the head coach slash play caller for Purdue does a really good job of making sure that he can get the ball. Um, so they'll put him in the slot. They'll put him outside. They'll put him to the field side. They'll put him to the boundary side. They're going to put him wherever to make sure that he impacts this game. And so you just can't let him get loose for a big play. You know, Corey Mays talked about minimizing the big plays, right? Notre Dame's given up four plays over 60 yards in two games. That's not okay. Um, mm-hmm. That's just not okay. So you can't let him get loose. You know, you, you let him catch some balls in front of you, but you can't let him get loose. And if he, say we're doubling up him, who would be their next person or person that might slip in and try to find that opening? 
Well, you know, it's it's a pretty far drop off, uh, to be honest with you. After David Bell, I mean, they've they've got a decent tight end. He, he he's, I mean, look, Notre Dame spoiled obviously with Michael Mayer, uh, so he's nowhere near who Michael Mayer is. Um, and he's a bit slower once he catches the ball, but he he can do some damage. They got a number two receiver that that's okay. Um, but it's it's kind of a David Bell or bust offense. Um, and if you allow Plummer the quarterback to just sit back there and wait right. for David Bell to get open, you're going to have problems. So. It's kind of a two-fold situation. Yes, the the, the secondary is going to have to be really good, but mm-hmm. the front seven has to put pressure on the quarterback and get him throwing off balance and you know don't give him time to find David Bell. That's the key. All right, and key number three. You know, key number three, honestly, is they have to have a complete game. That they, they have to play start to finish. Again, Corey Mays brought up the fact that the offense went right down the field in their first drive, and they went right down the field in their last drive. We need to see that the whole game, right? We need to see more consistency from the pass game, from the run game. Uh, we need to not give up six sacks uh, against Toledo. That that wasn't okay. So they have to be, they have to put a complete game together. And of course, defensively, you know, arguably this is one of the best defenses for the first three quarters in the country. It's the final quarter that they've had issues. They've given up thirty-one points in the fourth quarter in two games. That is yeah. dreadful defense. Can't allow that. They have to play a complete game. They're flying all over the field last week. They, they, they were doing really, really good things. I mean, they had five sacks. They had double-digit tackles for loss. They were all over the place. The problem is, in the fourth quarter, they're giving up touchdowns. You, you can't do that. So got to have a complete game from both sides of the ball. You got it, and that's the key bank keys to the game. Cash back, key bank, credit card, up to 2% back for those who like cash and getting it back. Earn up to 2% cash back on purchases, with the Key Cashback credit card, Key Bank opens doors. For more info, visit key.com slash cashback. Key Bank is a member of FDIC. We'll be right back after a short break for the start of the second hour on the Legacy Heating and Air Game Day show. We'll have a discussion with about an Irish victory pulled from defeat against the Boilermakers with Pat Steenberg and Mike Creaney. Plus, we'll catch up with defensive tackle Mike McCoy. Um, this your home for Fighting Irish Football, Sports Radio 960, WSBT. Go Irish. This is Notre Dame football presented by South Bend Orthopedics on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT South Bend. That's what we hope will happen today. First hour, <clears throat> living by a prayer, right, Vince? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. We're going to say, let's shake it off. We need to shake off what's happened the last two weeks, and we got to get a big Irish win. We have to have a bigger win than they have that bigger drum that we keep. I should quit drumming about that, right? I keep <laughs> drumming that in, everybody. Sorry. Uh, Bob Thomas has got all these little things he's got in my mind, you know, that uh, as a judge, I can't believe all those people were, were trying cases against them, and they're trying to use all these <laughs> – Football analogies? How insulting! Oh my god! Do they think that's going to win on the case? I'd be throwing people in jail just because of that. You know, come on, give me a break. <clears throat> You're in contempt. <laughs> well, we're we're shaking it off, Vince and I, uh, from uh, me from only having eight hours sleep in the last forty eight, and uh, Vince from running back to the school to get his microphone. So oh yeah, we're shaking it off, but we're back, and we welcome you to the second hour of game day. Glad you're with us. Jim Israel is producing back in the studios, and we are less than four hours from kickoff right here on WSBT. Stay right here. Immediately following game day at 11 a.m. will be game day sports beat with Darren Pritchett and Sean Styers. 
And that'll lead into the network pregame show and then kickoff at just after 2.30 p.m. And your coverage is not over when the game ends. After the game, join Sean Styers and Evan Sharpley for a review of the game, plus all the stats and interviews on the official Notre Dame postgame show, all here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. What do you think, Vince? We get right into the second hour? Oh, I mean, we had such a good first hour. Uh, You know, the second hour is going to be tough to top, but we've got some pretty great guys to, you know, bring it up. Bring our level up to elevate us even more. I'm pretty excited. We're gonna, it. we're gonna, we're gonna put up the pressure on the next guest, who's been a great <laughs> friend of the show. I can, Absolutely. as long as I've been doing the show, you've been coming on, Pat, and that would be former Notre Dame quarterback uh, Pat Seenberg and from Global Football. And we'll talk about a bunch of international. Pat takes football to the international, but I I'm sure it. in this world lately, that's been tough to do. Let's say good morning to Pat Seenberg. Pat, hey, good morning, guys. Appreciate you having me on here. Uh, Great to be back in South Bend. I haven't been in a couple of years, like a, like a lot of guys. And you're talking all those guys before and the guys coming up. I'm glad you were able to slip in a guy like me in between. I can at least tell some stories, you know. You got some stories. You got some stories. You always had a radio voice. I mean, whatever you're on there, man, it just it just carries. So it's not it's not unknown that you would end up doing what you do. Talk a little bit. Let's go. We'll go back to that famous uh, win that you took out of the jaws of defeat. But let's talk about global football, especially with the pandemic the last few years. Yeah, I, it's 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 been a little crazy. My my older brother, who was always wiser than me, you know, about a year <laughs> ago, he said, you know, that's not a really good business during a pandemic, taking <laughs> football teams overseas on international tours. I went, yeah, thanks, big brother. Thanks yeah, that's an original <laughs> thought, right? <laughs> Thanks for telling me that. You're always a smart ass. But uh, it's been a great, I mean, I've been 26 years ago. I just had this idea. I wanted to travel and I wanted to influence, you know, student athletes and create a a travel education experience for them. And it's been an amazing blessing. We've done games and events now in 28 different countries on six continents, about 15,000 student athletes, parents, coaches, a lot of the Division three colleges, like North Central out of Chicago, you know, who's uh, the reigning national champion, John Carroll University, Ohio Northern, those kind of schools, a lot of them go with me in the springtime. And then I've, I've taken high schools. I've taken 20 high schools to play when the big games have happened in Ireland with, with Anthony Travel. They're my partner in, in those events. They put on the big uh, college game, and then I, I bring the high school games. Like we took Loyola, Chicago, played against Dallas Jesuit in 2012 in Dublin. So I've... And there's actually uh, a kid who's playing for Notre Dame right now. Um, I'm going to draw a blank on his name. But the the linebacker from uh, Blessed Trinity High School in Atlanta, and he was over with me in Ireland uh, when Georgia Tech played over there. Oh, wow. And he played linebacker, and he was over there as a high school kid. So I've gotten to know him and his family. So it's just been a good, a great run. Uh, You know, I did the fantasy camper at Notre Dame for six years. I created that in 2003 and ran that. So I'm, I'm with a bunch of my buddies this weekend from fantasy camp and guys that I've just known over the years. Mike Creaney, uh, my longtime tight end roommate, is around. So it's it's just fun to be back at Notre Dame. J.D. Bertrand was the guy I think you were J.D. Bertrand, to. thank you. He having, uh, yes. He's having an amazing yeah. season. Holy smokes, he's doing great. I think he's a leading tackle the last two games. Yeah, he? yeah, yeah. He's, he's unbelievable. He's, he's really stepped up. And so he comes bad. from a great program great coach down there at blessed trinity in atlanta 
So Pat, how do you how do you find like the coaches? I know a few years back, um, our Evan Sharpley was with your uh, yeah. went out with you and stuff. How, how do you determine that, or or you just have such a wealth of coaches that want to go do that? Obviously, before a pandemic, uh, how does that happen? Yeah, I mean, I I have to reach out to coaches like in any business. You know, you gotta you gotta reach out and do your marketing and and get the word out. Fortunately, now I've been doing it long enough that a lot of coaches know know about it. And if they think but I have to put it in their mind, like yesterday when I came in, I flew into Chicago and went and visited with two high schools up there. Um, Batavia High School and Loyola, again, talking about going. So I'll go visit with coaches and athletic directors. And, you know, and I go to the, the big AFCA convention every year where I meet most of the college coaches. Uh, I'll go with that. And so it's you know, there, there's people out there. You just got to put it in their mind a little bit. And the coach from Batavia, when I was talking, he's been there a long time. And we were talking, he, his assistant came in and his assistant said, so why wouldn't we do this? You know, we got to raise the money. We, that's always right. the, the barrier. They got to figure it out. But he said, yeah, if we could do this for our kids, we get to go along. Um, you know, and it's allowed me to branch off into other things. This past year, when I couldn't go overseas, I created a leadership program in the mountains of Colorado. I've got a uh, cabin out there. So I know that I know that area pretty well. And I did a uh, I took eight division one athletic directors, all women on a on a mountain kind of a mountaineering thing for two days. We did whitewater rafting. We hiked a 14000 foot foot peak. Wow. And kind of spent, you know, and, and then talked about leadership, teamwork, all of those kind of things in the outdoor in the outdoor world. So I'm going to you know branch into that a little more, too, which I, I love hiking mountains. That's uh, what I do for fun, you know. This is the Legacy Eating Air Game Day show, sharing some, <clears throat> excuse me, football talk with former Notre Dame quarterback Pat Steenberg. Let's let's stay with Goldberg just a, a few more minutes. Sure. Of all the countries that you've been to do that, what maybe country unexpectedly accepted the football, or, or more so, I'm not probably verbalizing that correctly, yeah. was more shocking the way they accepted it than than you would have thought. Well, the one that jumps out of my head, you know, I've been all over Europe and a lot of Latin America and Asia, but the one that jumped out was when we went to Tanzania, Africa. And it was actually the first American football game ever on the continent. And I took Drake University, you know, in the uh, in the Pioneer League, took Drake University against an all star team from all the Mexico universities. So I had kids from Iowa, kids from Mexico, and we went halfway around the world to East Africa to to uh, Tanzania, played in front of about 20,000 people. Most of them had never wow. seen a football game anywhere. And uh, and the coach whose idea that was, who I say is the best man in college football, is Chris Creighton, the coach at Eastern Michigan now. Yep. Mm. Yep. Amazing man. He's turned that program around the last five, six years. But it was his idea to do that. And he said, I want to show my kids, you know, real poverty. I want them to see, you know, how some people in the world live. Let's do, and we did some uh, service work at orphanages and, and schools. And he said, I want to play the first game ever. You know, nobody can be first again to do a game in Africa. And then I want to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. <laughs> and uh, we got 129 guys started, and we got 118, I think, reached the summit at 19,325. So it was just a 16 day trip that, you know, still sticks in my mind. Uh, it was 10 years ago. So that was, that was the most special for sure. And you wrote a book about that. I did. Yeah. I yes, figured I, I was got gonna, it. I read yeah, it. I it was a very inspirational all one day. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> otherwise, I, otherwise I was going to forget it all. So I quarterbacks don't forget things, right? No, we're not, not supposed to. And if we do, we, 
If we do, we adapt so quickly. Nobody knows it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And, That's you, what... and you, you had to adapt quite, quite well back in 1971. But well, let's lead up to that game. Let's talk about that team first of all, just in '71. And I, we always like the comments. You know, first of all, a few comments playing for Era. One thing Era always did is he had you prepared. You know, when we went into a game, and you know, he coached the quarterbacks on game day. Like the pregame meeting was with Era. Coach Tom Pagna was the backfield coach, but Era really focused on the quarterback. So we got to spend a lot of time with him. Um, and he was demanding, you know, like we'd be in practice. We'd always have number one and two offense running against the scout team defense. And he'd be up on the tower. And on the other side of the, of the tower would be one and would be the one and two defense going against scout team offense. And I could complete 10 straight passes and nothing would be said. It would just keep going, keep going. And you make a bad decision, you throw to the wrong guy or something, and all of a sudden, Eric's booming voice. I go, what about the last 10? Why'd you scream? Why are you looking at me now? You know? uh, he, he, he always had us ready. Everybody said that was like the call. They felt like it was the call of God coming down to them when he would say something. Yes, sir. That was it. So interesting. Uh, uh, Bob Thomas was telling us earlier that he also coached the special teams. Yeah, he was very involved in the special teams. The kicking game was real important to him. Yep. Can you imagine that now? I mean, I've put a lot of coaches out of, uh, right, Vince? I've put a lot oh. of coaches out of jobs. Yeah, no question. But that's how important he spent that. So, okay, so, uh, 71 uh, team, expectations going into the season? <clears throat> what do you think? Oh, uh, we had an incredible defense coming back. You know, we had All-Americans. We had Clarence Ellis, you know, an original shutdown corner, you know. And we had uh, – Walt Petolsky at defensive end. We had Greg Marks at defensive tackle. Jim O'Malley, Jim Mazurka, Pat McGraw at linebackers. Ken Schlees is just a really, really good defense. And we had Gatewood who was back. You know, Theismann yeah. had graduated and, and Tom <clears throat> Gatewood came back. So we had him and we had Mike Creaney at tight end. Ended up being an All-American. Um, had kind of a plethora of running backs. Just good, solid guys, you know. Uh, Daryl Dewan, who remains a good buddy of mine, you know, he would always get you an extra yard, you know. Uh, Larry Parker was was our, kind of our speedy guy, you know. Um, it, it was just – it was a solid offense. Um, I wouldn't say, you know – but we didn't have to – we didn't have to score 40 points to win, you know, we just – because the defense kept us in the game. But it was a uh, – you know, nobody – going into the season, we were, we were preseason number one on Sports Illustrated and lots of things. But nobody knew for sure who was going to be the quarterback because uh, I had backed up Joe the year before as a sophomore. And so I got into eight games, you know, that that year. Bill Edder had been the backup the year before, and he had had an, an aneurysm. So he was out his whole season, but he came back in the spring. So really, Bill and I were competing for the for the job, you know, to be the starter all the preseason. And then we uh, we went up to Northwestern, handled them pretty easily. Um, I started the game. Bill got a, a bunch of reps, uh, but we handled them. I forget the score, but it was it 50 was to seven. Good. Yeah, we, we handled them. So we're feeling good getting ready to go down to Purdue. Um, and Purdue was really good back then. I mean, they had, uh, you know, a defensive end, Dave Butts, who played a lot of years in the league. Gary Rivnack was the defensive. Otis Armstrong was the, oh, the running geez. back. Yeah. They had a good, good team. And we were going to throw the ball a fair amount because they were so big up front. Now, you know, when I say we were going to open it up, we were probably going to throw 15 times. You know, that was opening it up. <laughs> that was opening it up, yeah. That was opening it up in Era's mind, you know. Uh, but we were excited to go down there, and uh, we knew it was going to be a big, tough game. But, you know, hey, let, let's go down. And 
it ensued it to be quite a strange afternoon. So uh, as we go into that game, you know, Purdue takes a seven to zero lead on a uh, pass for Armstrong, 26 yards from Danielson, Gary Danielson, they throw around too. Yeah. And so you're going in, I mean, late in the, late in the game and you guys are down seven, nothing. So what's ever, what's, what's the talk with from era? Yeah. You know, and it was just the day they never would play on that day. If that weather was happening today, they would cancel the game. It was thundered and lightning started about 4.00 AM. I remember waking up in my hotel room, sheets of, of rain against the window and lightning crashing, you know, and it continued all day long. Um, just, you know, so that grass field was just a, a bog, you know, so you, we couldn't get every time you'd get a couple first downs, somebody would slip on a play, you know, or you get something else going and somebody dropped the ball, you know, it just, so yeah, we're down seven, nothing. Uh, we get a drive going with about five minutes. We, we are able to put four or five first downs together. We get down to like the five yard line and basically the snap came up from Dan Novikov and I have no idea what happened. It just popped out, <laughs> on, you know, I didn't get it. Dan, it looks like, and I've watched it. It looks like Dan got the ball up, but it, you know, it bounced away. I went to dive on it and the running back, John Siskowski was coming up to get the handoff and he kicks it into the line <laughs> and uh, it ensues and then Purdue recovers. Um, so all of a sudden going to that sideline was not fun. The, the walk back to the sideline, you know, it's like, nobody knows what happened, but Purdue has the ball and there's only like yeah. four minutes left, left That's to all go. Matters, yeah. And they're up seven, nothing. Um, but our defense was able to hold uh, basically three and out and uh, they had to punt from about, I think they lined up. I think the ball was at about the 10 or 11 yard line. So the, the punters in his end zone and he bobbles the snap again, you know, it's just a terrible wet day and he bobbles a snap. And then uh, Fred Swenson comes in and, and decks him and the ball pops out and we recover in the end zone. So all of a sudden it's seven, six. And, uh, you know, I'm on the sideline watching, thinking we're going to get one more drive anyways, you know, we if they were going to punt. So I'm standing up there, and all of a sudden we scored at 7-6. And remember back then they didn't go into overtime. If it was a right. tie game, that's yep. what it was. Right. And if we're going to stay number one, we had to win the game. You know, we couldn't afford a tie to be, to be national champions, really. Somebody else is going to be undefeated. So we had practiced the, this two-point conversion where basically it was a fake. We went full house, backfield, double tights basically faked a tear sweep to Bill Gallagher, which had been a pretty functional play for us all day. And according to Bill, who's a dear friend and has traveled with me a bunch, the whole defense was keyed on Bill Gallagher. So they all rushed to Bill. Now I'm not sure how much that really happened, but <laughs> we fooled some of them. And I basically just faked to him, turned my back to the line and Creaney was, you know, instructing. We'd practice it all week where basically he faked a down block, went to his knee, to his right knee. And then everything cleared, and then he just got up and eased out to the left side, and he was standing there wide open. So when I turn around after the fake, Gary Rivnack, a kid from Johnstown, play, uh, Pennsylvania, played with him in the big 33 game in PA. He was not full to lick. He came right at me, arms outstretched. So I turn around, and all I see is Rivnack, you know, this massive defensive end in my face. But I knew where Creaney was going to be. We had practiced it. You talk about that. That's why you practice those things during the week. And I just threw out a, a nice soft lob pass. All I could do is get it over his hands. And um, Mike caught the ball and jumps up and down in the mud. And uh, we win the game eight to seven. So it was a pretty outstanding so, day in the end. Quarterback Pat Seenberg. So it was referred to now as the genuflect play. So that was from Mike kneeling down. 
Yes, yeah, right? and, he, and I think I think it was called that in the uh, Chicago Tribune the next day. They had a big picture, kind of me running off the field. I had had my jersey half ripped off in the rain, but I'm coming off <laughs> pumping a fist, you know, with a pump fist right after I'd thrown that. So I think they they called it. We didn't call it the genuflect play. That wasn't right. error or practice, but but it was called that. You know, it was like a Grantland Rice type of thing. But it was, uh, you know, fortunately I've got I had that moment. And I've been able. What's crazy now is that it was fifty years ago. Yeah, that's, that's what really you're celebrating, crazy. right? Right, you're yeah. celebrating that. Yeah. Creaney talked me into coming. He said, "Look, you got to come to this game." He goes, "Fly up from Texas. I'll meet you." You know, he says. Because we're not going to be back for the hundred-year celebration, <laughs> and if we're here at the seventy-five-year celebration, we're not going to remember that we were here. So yeah, so I'm here. Creeny's Creeny's here. Some of our other buddies, and they were also um, they played it on, on at the ACC at the Joyce Center. They had a live kind of tele, you know, television show in there, and some of my roommates and buddies were there. And they said when we fumbled that ball going in, they said if I'd have been there, I would have been hung. It's like the fans were not happy. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> Absolutely. But then, made them, but then we made them happy. So, Hey, so uh, we appreciate the memories. I can't get enough here. That's when I started really following Nordic footballs, right? You know, in the yeah. uh, mid to late 60s and stuff like that. And I, I remember that play. Actually, it was on the radio. I don't think it was on TV at that time. I Probably not. I was listening to the radio on the mutual network. Uh, but anyway, th- those are great memories. Before I let you go, any inside information on when Notre Dame's going back to Dublin? Because I want to catch that game and then maybe catch up with you out there. Do you have any idea? Uh, you know, well, Nebraska and um, Northwestern are going next year, August 27th. Okay. That mm-hmm. one's all set. In fact, I'm I'm talking to high schools now about going over. So if anybody's got a friend who's uh, involved in a high school program, we've taken 20 schools on the three times they've played. So that's happening next year. And I know Anthony Travel has a five-year agreement with with Ireland Tourism and with Air Lingus to do five years of games. So I would think, you know, within that five-year window, certainly, you know, I, uh, you know, I, I would think it's, you know, it's going to happen here pretty soon again. I mean, it's got to, it's such a, a favorite. Everybody loves going to Dublin. And uh, when I went in 2012 with Notre Dame Navy, actually, my my youngest daughter went to graduate school over there at University College Dublin, and she worked for me. She went to school on Monday and on the weekend, she was working for me, helping me take care of a team out of Arizona. She met a young man in, at the stadium who was working for the travel company. And now we have an Irish American uh, granddaughter at that, oh. at that meeting. So great things happen when you go to Ireland. You know? how, how appropriate. Uh, hey, Pat, awesome. so if anybody wants to contact you, or coaches or players or whatever, their sure. schools, where do they contact you at? It's probably easy. just Patrick at globalfootball.com. Very Patrick simple. Globalfootball.com. Yep. You got it. All right. We appreciate you. Thanks for take, taking the time. You have a good time today at the game and take those Irish to victory. Let's get, let's get that offense rolling this week. Huh? There you, you go. It. Love that. All right. Thanks, Thanks guys. Okay. We'll be back with former NFL and Notre Dame defensive tackle, Mike McCoy on sports radio, 960 WSBT and streaming at WSBTradio.com. This is Legacy Heating and Air Game Day with Tim Growl and Vince D'Addario on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. And the Legacy Heating and Air Game Day show is brought to you by, of course, Legacy Heating and Air, your cooling and clean air specialist. Find them online at Legacy Heating and Air. Com. We're also brought to you by Edward Jones. Edward Jones making sense of investing. Contact Joe Ladig in Mishawaka or John Shaver in South Bend. By Fisher's Barbecue and Catering. 
Fisher's Barbecue and Catering at 213 East McKinley Avenue in Mishawaka for drive through carry-out, or catering. Just look for the smoke. By Four Winds Casino, are you ready for your next escape? Experience the excitement at Four Winds Casinos with award-winning cuisine, the latest slots, a variety of table games, including live poker. Four Winds Casino, your entertainment escape. Must be 21 years or older. Please play responsibly by Mimo's Pizza. Mimo's on Edison in Mishawaka. If you like pizza, you'll love Mimo's Manja Manja by Monterey Mexican Bar and Grill. Authentic Mexican served fresh daily at McKinley and Division in Mishawaka. MontereyMexican.com by South Bend Orthopedics. Team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949 and by Wings, etc. Grill and Pub with 14 Michiana area locations. Stop in today or order online at togo.wingsetc.com. Tim? I'm ready for some wings right now. I know about you. I'm not kidding. It's 73 degrees in South Bend. It's going to be around 82 to 84 degrees. Uh, I'll take that. That's not bad. Yeah, so you're going to enjoy a good game out there today with your son. Here's hoping. It was a little warm last week, but uh, very manageable and a little cooler today. So I'm all about it. It's going to be a lot of fun. You got it. And we're going to have a lot of fun with our next guest. Um, nice enough to come on with us for a lot of years. Haven't had a chance to catch with, up with them. Glad to have him back. Let me go through some of the things here. He was a consensus All-American at Notre Dame. He was named the Associated Press, excuse me, Lineman of the Year. And he was sixth in the Heisman Trophy as a defensive player his senior year at Notre Dame. Wow. He went on to become the first pick of the Green Bay Packers, which was actually the second player overall drafted in the 1970 draft. He was named Rookie of the Year in 1970, led the Packers in quarterback sacks in 73 and 76, um, was Packers Rookie of the Year. He was the Dodge NFL Player of the Year, Notre Dame Pro Player of the Year, inducted into the Erie, Pennsylvania Pro Football Hall of Fame. And one of the best things, because he's such a great guy with a great heart and helps people, Harvey Foster Humanitarian Award, and also won the Bronco Nagurski Legends Award, being recognized as the best defensive player football player in the last 40 years so we bring to the microphone and glad to have back defensive tackle mike mccoy good morning mike good morning tim good to be with you this morning well it's great to, great to have you you know what i know you're a humble guy and we won't even comment on all those things but like i said you got the biggest heart of anybody and and you've gone on in, into life to uh, help other, other people and we all are better for it well i appreciate that no problem, no problem. So let's let's just catch up, go back. You know, it's been a long time since since we talked, and I, I know maybe you know it's something we always do or whatever. But take us back from to high school, how you got recruited to come to Notre Dame, who maybe was yeah. it, it down to, and and why Notre Dame. Well, my high school football coach was Tony Zembrowski, and he played for Frank Leahy back in 49, 50, 51. So when he came out of Notre Dame, he came back to Cathedral Prep, became a teacher coach and was dedicated 45, 50 years of his life. So when I got there my sophomore year, I transferred from St. Mark's Seminary. I was studying to be a priest, <laughs> decided that wasn't the path I wanted to go down and went to prep and met Tony. And he uh, taught me everything I knew about football and the coaches there and, and uh, Ron Costello and a bunch of great people and teachers at, at, at Cathedral Prep and Monsignor McDonald and the discipline and all those good things that uh, happened in a Catholic school that we need in our society today. I was, I was fortunate enough to be part of, and it wasn't easy, but that's okay. And so he prepared me and guided me towards Notre Dame. Not that he told me to go there. Cause I did, I go, I visited Syracuse, Penn state and Indiana. I said, none of these compare to 
what I saw on campus at Notre Dame. It was like an extension of my high school. And of course, when I met Eric Parsegan and Johnny and Johnny uh, Ray, it was a done deal. And I was the first senior to commit, I think, my senior year in uh, 66. And uh, off I came. Back in those days, did they have a student assigned to you when you came to on the campus to like, Yeah, I had visit? Terry, Terry, yeah, Terry Henready and huh? Jim Seymour were my oh, guys. Geez. And I wow. found out years later that these they gave him like twenty bucks a piece to <laughs> take me out to dinner. So uh, they uh, they said, Hey Mike, you know, let's uh, let's hang at the Morris Inn, we'll just get a couple pizzas for like two or three bucks and watch a movie. I said, well, That's fine. So these guys pocketed pocketed fifteen bucks a piece on me and I didn't know that until years later. <laughs> Well, they, they clearly wanted you in the class because they sent some big names after you to uh, make sure that you were having a good time, though. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We had a great time sitting in the Morse Inn. So what, what makes so many great football players come out of the P Pennsylvania area, especially Erie, Pennsylvania area? Well, I think it's the culture there and, uh, you know, Western Pennsylvania, middle, upper income, pretty much middle class, and uh, the values that uh, your family uh, passes down onto you. And you see athletics as a way to move up and, and get that scholarship because no way my parents could even afford Notre Dame at that time. So you saw that as a way to do that, plus the educational aspects of Cathedral Prep High School and the educational aspects of Notre Dame. So that was a pretty clear path for me right from the get-go. Mike, what was that transition like going from high school to Notre Dame, not only from you know, a, a football standpoint, but from the academic standpoint, you said it was an extension of your high school. Did it feel that way? Like this is the, the natural yeah, it next harder. step? <laughs> yeah. It was harder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I said, oh, I better study some more, you know, <laughs> and uh, hit the books a little bit harder. But we had uh, Mike DiCicco was our mentor mm -hmm. for the freshman class. So we would go to the Dome and have study hall three nights a week for two hours with grad students. So if you're getting behind – you know, they're there to help you to keep caught up because you're spending hours. I mean, we were spending hours on the football field in the afternoon, in the early evening, and where my friends were already done with classes and they're just kind of sitting around, you know, starting their homework at seven and we get back at 10 and start ours. So, uh, so you had to really uh, buckle down and be disciplined. Matter of fact, um, my grades in the spring went down a little bit because I had so much free time. I didn't know what to do with it. So to speak. <laughs> and, uh, but during the, during the season, you had to get this at this point in time. So it was very disciplined which really helped uh, focus. This is game day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We're having a conversation with former Irish great defensive tackle uh, Mike McCoy. So, Mike, uh, defensive tackle in high school and also defensive tackle at Notre Dame, or, or did they change any kind of positions for you? No, I went both I went both ways in high school, offense and defense. And, uh, and when I came to Notre Dame, they put me right at defensive tackle. Other than, the, other than the very first practice, we had a freshman team, Wally Moore and Brian Bulak, where I just went to his funeral mass. Uh, this past weekend here at Notre Dame because we're mm -hmm, here celebrating right. our uh, 55th reunion of the 66th National Championship team. Yes. And uh, so after a year and a half practice with Wally, they said, 11 guys go down to that field. So we went jogging down there, and we actually had our, our names taped to our helmets. And he kind of forgot our names after we got <laughs> here for a while. And so we go down there, and we get in the subtle, and Coach Murphy holds up a card. He says, run this play. It's Purdue plays against the number one defense. So we broke the huddle. There was Alan Page, Kevin Hardy, Pete oh, Duranko, Tom Rhodes, uh, John Perjean, uh, Horney, uh, Dave Martin, uh, just Jim Lynch, Tom Shane, and, and, and these guys, what, almost every one of them got drafted in the NFL. So needless to say, after a 45-minute scrimmage, I came back to my dorm room, and I tried to find the payphone, got my little dime, and called Tony. I said, what the heck did you get me into? <laughs> and he said, my high school coach said, hang in there, it'll get better. And it did. I mean, we, we adjusted, and we, we 
competed against these guys, you know, after about the second or third week. And uh, so we, we, we were the prep team for, for, for the national championship team. So was that your preference too, to play defense versus offense at Notre Dame? No, you know, I guess def- I was more geared to defense at that time than I was to offense. Uh, yeah, I, I just like to run and, you know, jump on people's backs and you know, hit them <laughs> as hard as I could. And uh, we're on D who are offense. You're just backpedaling all the time, you know? So I just, that didn't seem too, too cool to me. So 66, that national championship team, were you sophomore or freshman? Freshman. 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 Freshman didn't play. We had then? a freshman. No, we had a freshman team and we, we, Played Pitt and Michigan State. Oh, wow. In fact, the night before the 10 10 tie, we played Michigan State's freshman in a stadium in East Lansing, and 20,000 people came out to the game. And oh, we bro. beat them with a last second field goal. Oh, so, so it was so going to we be a close game. Yeah. Yeah, it was going to be yeah. a close game, whether yeah. it was varsity yeah. or freshman, right? Yeah. So we're on the sideline for that 10 10 tie. Oh, and, I, I, you know, out of that, players on that team, I think five or six went in the first round. So yeah. amazing. Yeah. 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 20,000 so people for a freshman yeah. game? Are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah. No, Jeez. it was amazing. Oh, my yeah. goodness. So what was, yeah. like, standing on that sideline in that in that big game? I know being covered by ABC, everybody, you know, in every sport, yeah. Sports Illustrated, yeah. everybody was. And you were actually standing there on the sideline as a freshman. Yeah. What was that yeah. like? Well, I saw, I, saw when Bubba, yeah, I saw when Bubba Smith slammed Terry to the ground, separated his shoulder. Right. And I saw when George Gedeke got hurt. And all of a sudden, they put in Tim Money, who's 210 pounds, and he had to go against Bubba. And then they put in Coley, who at the time we didn't know was a diabetic. And yes. He was kind of not feeling very good for most of the game. And uh, we ended up, you know, really going for the win. And, and Zaro missed, you know, missed, a, missed a fairly long field goal. Mm-hmm. But if he makes that, we win. So all the criticism is, 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 not, is not correct. Right. I mean, that was pretty amazing. For I mean, that's a testimony to the team to still be in it with having all those key injuries you guys had. Oh yeah. Nick Eddy got hurt coming off the, coming off the train. Uh, train. Yeah. Yeah. So here, here you lose your center of your, of your offensive attack. Everything was gone. Right. So other than Michigan state, who was the hardest hitting offensive line you went up against in your years at Notre Dame? Oh man. Mm, I would say probably, well, Michigan state, you know, they had, they had, uh, uh, Rich Rich Saul, who was an All American, played against him in high school, and uh, and then I would say probably USC. You know, those guys are pretty pretty hard hitting at, at that time. You know, they're a different team they are than they are today. But back then, you know, those games were two heavyweight fighters punching it out. Hey, we were talking earlier about how um, I forget who it was was it Bob Thomas or Corey Mays Vince that said, you know, they asked him what they hated the most uh, for from an opponent or whatever, and of course it was pumping in. The USC song after song. Did they did they do that when when era was that oh, part yeah. of the preparation? Yeah. Uh no. No, I don't remember that. Yeah. We may have, but you know, we we're talking fifty some years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so, I <don't> know. <laughs> got it. But okay. I but I do know that there was somebody who fell out of a tree and broke his arm and he was a Michigan State uh spy and he was spying on us. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> I had never done yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Karma. Yeah. He broke yeah. his arm. It's karma. <laughs> He went on to become Bill Belichick later. No. On. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> we're talking. Uh, we're talking. Uh, Tim and Vince on Legacy Heating Air Game Day Show with former Irish and Green Bay number two NFL 1970 pick defensive tackle Mike McCoy. So now you're making the you know, kind of the transition. Now you know we Vince talked about from high school to 
college. How about that transition from uh, college uh, to play for the, the Packers, a storied program, obviously, at the time? Yeah, you know, uh, Vince died my rookie year, and so we had uh, Phil Bankston was the coach, and they fired him and brought in Dan Devine. And we did, uh, we were the new kids on the block, and in 72, we won a Central Division championship. And a lot of sports writers at that time were, were saying that the last 10 games of 1972, that was the best Packer team they've seen in, in ever. And we were the number one rushing offense in the league, and we were number two and three on defense. And uh, we had Bart Starr was the quarterback coach, Dan was the head coach, and we had to play uh, Washington and Washington. And we win that game. We play Miami, who's 17 and 0 at the time. And unfortunately, we lost that game to the Redskins. We uh, we we didn't adjust. We didn't make adjustments on the field, and they just put nine guys in the box, and we didn't pass the ball until late in the middle of the fourth quarter. It was too late then. So we're kind of going back and forth here, but you talk about adjustments. What adjustments do you see the Notre Dame defensive front seven have to have to make? Well, you know, it's hard because I, I only watched one game, and that was the first game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they they played pretty well. Uh, you know, that 3-4 personally, this is just my opinion. It has nothing to do with the coaches and what, what I saw on the field. I just never liked the 3-4. You know, I'm just an old-school guy. I like those mm-hmm. four guys down there rushing that passer, getting them throw that ball early. Uh, you know, filling up the lanes, getting up, getting those cutback lanes. When you got those four linebackers behind, you know they can rush, but they're not, they're not, they don't. I don't know. It's just they're linebackers, and and to play two positions, I think it's tough for them to get down and and rush somebody who's they're 320 pounds now. You know, linebackers are what 220, 230. At least when you've got a you've got a guy who's 280 or 270 going against 320, you got you got a chance. But not when you're 230 pounds, 220. You got a guy coming out blocking you. You know, especially the way they block now, you know, they, they shield and they hold. And so mm-hmm. it's tough. Uh, so I, I, I just personally, again, nothing against the coaches in Notre Dame. I just like that 4-3 defense. And uh, I think it gives you – and then, you know, you bring in a 3-4 maybe in a passing situation. But, you, but now you're only rushing three guys. So you give them two to three to four seconds to throw the ball, they're going to find an opening. So you got to bring somebody off that off that 3-4, whether it's a strong safety or another linebacker or doing stunts. Because you just had three guys rushing. They, they, they got all day in the pocket. I think Vince will concur with that, right, Vince? I mean, everyone was like oh, yeah. perplexed. What, 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 what's going on here? Well, yeah, and it's one thing to go into it, but then to stay in it when you realize it's not working. I think that was what people had the biggest issue with. You know yeah, what I mean? I that, that, so, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Mike, I wanted to ask yeah. you, because it was a different time, obviously, when you got drafted. You know, you watch the draft now. <laughs> I mean, it's in prime time and, you know, guys in the green room and all this different stuff. What was it like? Yeah. I mean, you were the number two pick in the draft. How did that – How what was that night like for you? It was not a night. It was just during the day, and I was in class. <laughs> right. Oh, you were in uh, class. <laughs> I was in class, and I had a message to call a guy named Pat Pepper, who I had no idea who Pat Pepper was from the Green Bay Packers. And he was the director of player personnel. Now, I knew that there was a trade-up from Green Bay to Chicago, but I wasn't aware of why they did that. You know, we just didn't have the communication back then. And, sure. Um you know, uh, my senior year, after my senior year, the Chicago brought me up to Chicago and I was on the sideline watching a game. And uh, it was the Bears versus somebody in Wrigley Field. And Mushberger was the was the sports writer at the time. And, and he asked me, he said, why, what do you think of Chicago? And I just said, well, it's a great city. A lot of good friends here. You know, I'm from, I'm from a small town and, you know, it's a big city. So here's the headlines. McCoy doesn't like Chicago. No, that's how disingenuous. Oh, yeah, that's how disingenuous these people are. And I think uh, that caused maybe a ripple within the bear organization. And you know, all of a sudden I get a call from Green Bay and, and off I go. 
quite like Vince said, quite different back in those game, those, those days. No, when you say you had to call Pat Pepper, there wasn't like I'll get my cell phone and do that. Or there wasn't. <laughs> no, I, or there yeah, wasn't I'll I had get to go to the people payphone. To call your people, right? Well, yeah, people yeah, your... yeah, yeah. And it was I, I call it BM before money. There you go. <laughs> so, what's your feeling with this NIL? You know, the name, image, likeness that's going on with with college. Well, uh, you know, I have a good friend of mine, Peter Chevrolet. He says, Mike, if they had that here, you you would have made more money at, at Notre Dame than you would in the NFL at that time, and uh, probably true. Um, I don't know. I, I've always thought maybe give these young people a per diem. You know, I work construction during the summer, mm-hmm. so my mother sent me twenty or thirty bucks every couple of weeks. So I could go, go buy a Twinkie and a tab at the at the uh, at the student center and uh, a little spending money. So even though you have an education, you get your education paid for everyone had the laundry service. Uh, but, a, but a lot of my friends were working and helped to pay for their education. And they also had pocket money. I mean, we were working too, mm-hmm. a lot of hours. And so I always thought maybe a per diem of a couple hundred dollars a month. Um, but the NCA was totally against that. And, and now I think this is going to be a Pandora's box that they opened up. Yeah, I, I so I'm impressed so. how Notre Dame has reacted to it, though, and they've taken advantage of it with these uh, with these uh, billboards across the country. I understand mm-hmm. they put these billboards up yeah. and about some right. of their players and what they're going to do with the NIA, whatever that thing is called. So I, I think it's just going to be it's going to get it's going to get difficult. Yeah, we talk about. I mean, again, how different it was. You were working construction during the summer, Vince. These players now in the summer. I mean, they're 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 doing the unofficial training and the, sure. and the official training and everything. I mean, that, that's like night and day. I mean, you're working a hard construction job all, all day. When did they, when at that time did they allow you to get back into preparation for the fall? You're on your own. You're on your yeah, own. Yeah. You got to work out on your, Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so when I came to training camp, you know, we had two weeks on, on campus and that was the first time I've seen anybody since spring football. Oh, geez. Wow. Different yeah. times, man. Different times. That's yeah, for sure. It's different, Absolutely. different, different culture, different times. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just the way it was. Yep. So Mike, as good yeah. as a football player, you, you, you are, you went on and, and still have Mike McCoy Ministries. So talk yes. a little bit about that. What made you go into that and continue to this day offering your help to others? Yeah. Well, you know, I got out in 80 and 86, I went full-time in the ministry with a couple different organizations till about, Oh, about 11 years ago when I started Mike McCoy Ministries. And, and I just came to the conclusion that, you know, I've got a platform from Notre Dame that God has given me a platform from the NFL and for whatever and people listen to me. And uh, so when I understood that I that uh, my faith was important in my life, my rookie year, and I opened up my heart to Christ and asked him to come into my heart, like John Paul II encouraged us to do. He says, do not fear, open your heart to Christ. Conversion is a personal decision, accepting the saving grace of Christ and becoming his decision and understanding that Jesus loved me unconditionally and i was trying to earn that and that we can't do that so when i finally realized what was going on in our culture and i had a guy call me starting this organization and i went with bill glass and so i did prisons public schools catholic schools for many many years and then 10 years ago started mike mccoy ministries we're focusing in on students in catholic schools with the message of faith hope and encouragement and i just came from a big diocese in texas two weeks ago and uh it's the first time they've had live assemblies in a year and a half Mm. And I was in a middle school and a lot of, a lot of depression, a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, social media has taken over. Like I've never seen before gender dysphoria. All these principals are dealing with gender dysphoria. These young people do not know who they are. You know, am I my man? Am I my woman? Am I male? Am I a female? They're getting all this, all this mixed messages from this culture and it's confusing them. You know, they get on the internet, they get on TikTok, and they, they got to get back to the basics. And God says, I created you. I knew you. 
you're, you're loved, you're accepted. I've made you male and female. And, um, and so I, I, I dealing with that now more so than ever in these schools. And a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of kids just want to give up. And this is, this was a suburb, pretty nice suburb. It wasn't inner city schools. This is out in the, out in the burbs. And so I had a chance to uh, network back with the counselors and they're still working with a lot of these students to try to help them uh, deal with all these different problems. So Mike, you're going uh, to the game today. What are yeah. the teammates you have with you that you're going to be sitting there with today and rooting them on? Oh, well, my wife and uh, three, two of my daughters and, and three of my grandchildren will be sitting with in the section where my teammates will be, you know, Nick Eddy, Jim Lynch is here, uh, Tom Reynolds, um, just a whole whole group of guys that are here, Coley O'Brien and uh, and from the 66 team. So it's good to see these men and, 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 and they're just to see their families that they brought. And we've had a great time the last two days. Uh, unfortunately, they're not letting us on the field like they're not letting the Purdue drum. Yeah. I have no idea. Uh, I have no idea. You're still too big? You like that giant drum? They don't want you? I don't know. I, I guess they're afraid we'll, we'll, we'll you know, our size will, will, will get the turf mixed up or something but so we're just going to be sitting in the stands and they're going to say hey here, here's the old farts over here in the corner yeah. you stand up and wave and sit down you know well you are uh, all a bunch you mentioned all sorts of names all been on the show before and everything i was lucky enough to be with peter shiverly in, in vegas the other night and there's another oh, class act guy you know and stuff so yeah. yeah he's, he's yeah. a great guy hey real quick before you go if i remember right didn't you have one of your children played football in france yeah he did yeah did he? yeah that's How pretty was, much over that? yeah no, I mean, there's these, a lot of these kids don't like soccer over there and American football has taken hold over the last 15, 20 years. And they've got clubs all over the country and very good competition. Cause I was there for a couple of games uh, years ago and uh, well, he's 40 years old now and he's got two kids, another one on the way. So his football days are over, but uh, it, it was great for him to do that. Cause he was, he was a great athlete. He got hurt playing mm -hmm. hockey. And uh, so his high school career wasn't what it could have been. And, he played one year in college and then, you know, finished, finished college and, you know, was working in France at a Christian, a Christian camp and uh, in the Alps. And then he heard about football, American football. So he joined his team was with them for seven years. So wow. he got, he got his full, he got it. He got his full football. All right. I know that just popped into, my, awesome. into my head. Yeah. 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 Just, like I said, you don't equate yeah. football with France, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, you have a good time. Tell all okay. your, your Thanks, teammates Tim. hi for appreciate me. It. Appreciate it. And go Irish. All right. God bless. Bye-bye. God bless. Stay with us after a short break. We'll be right back on Sports Radio 960 WSBT, your home for the Fighting Irish. This is Legacy Heating and Air Game Day with Tim Grell and Vince D'Addario on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. And your Legacy Heating and Air Game Day show is brought to you by, of course, Legacy Heating and Air, your cooling and clean air specialists. Find them online at LegacyHeatingAndAir.com. Uh, we're brought to you by Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Contact Terry Clark in South Bend or Matt Carroll in Mishawaka. By, let's see here, Key Bank. Earn up to 2% cash back on purchases with the Key Cashback credit card. Key Bank opens doors. For more, visit Key.com slash cash back. Key Bank is member FDIC. 
from the Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Center, OSMC, providing orthopedic care to Michiana since 1973. By Salsa's Mexican Grill, share good times and great food this football season at Salsa's Mexican Grill. And here we go, the fast the fast and the furious here. Imperial Furniture in Dwajak, where furniture shopping is fun. By Food Bank of Northern Indiana. By Sherwood Tire. By Farnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger. By Luck Like the Door. Martin Supermarket. Pet Refuge. In Rug Company Studio and Gift Shop. Tim Growl State Farm Insurance. By Zolman's Best Tire and Auto Care. Serving you and your family for three generations. And by Auto Value Auto Parts. Uh, where service is the difference. We get it. We get it, and we get KeyBank, the main sponsor of the show. KeyBank Smart Checking. We work hard to make checking smarter. No maintenance fees, no minimum balances. 40,000 ATMs. Pretty smart. Open a Key Smart Checking account today. KeyBank opens doors. For more info, visit key.com. KeyBank is a member of FDIC. So we've got about two minutes here to uh, wrap up. So how about um, what, what, do you, what are you thinking in, in general? And then we'll get a specific. Well, obviously, you know, the Notre Dame defense has gotten better from week one to week two. I expect them to continue that climb uh, in week three, which is going to be very important. They need a complete game. They they have to minimize the big plays, and they have to do better in the fourth quarter, no question. And then the offense, it's all on the offensive line. They need to be aggressive from the outset. They need to fix their fundamentals. Uh, you know, they need to take the fight to this Purdue defensive line. If they do that, this offense is going to score a lot of points. And if the Notre Dame defense plays a complete game, which I think they can do. I, I really like where where things look for them as well. So um, I, I I've got a prediction the thirty five twenty one. Obviously, my first two predictions have been way off as as most people's have been uh, with three point victories for Notre Dame both times. But again, getting a victory is the most important thing. But this is a big opportunity for no Notre Dame. We, we call this a get right game. This is an opportunity for this team to get right against Purdue. So how much percentage uh, breakdown you're looking for for the quarterback rotation? You know what? I mean, we've been calling for a, a Tyler Buckner package since the beginning of summer. I think they're right. doing it the right way. This is this is Jack Cohn's team. He's the starter. Uh, he's the quarterback. You bring Tyler Buckner in, you know, here and there, uh, which is totally fine. It's a, it's a change up. It gives the defense more to prepare <clears> for. Uh, similar to what they did last week. I have no problem with that whatsoever. But remember – when, it, when the game was on the line at the end of the game and they needed one drive, it was Jack Cohn. This is Jack Cohn's team, no question about it. Got it. Score again? 35-21 Irish. All right. Here's hoping. We're booking it. Thank you for listening. Vincent, I want to thank Jim Azari for producing back in the WSB studio. Thanks a lot, Jim. And a personal thanks to all of our guests for taking time out of their busy weekend to chat with us and make the show what it is. Don't go anywhere. WSBT's game day coverage continues with game day sports week with Darren and Sean. Followed by the Notre Dame Network pregame show and kickoff just after 2.30 p.m. And after that, make sure you join Sean and Evan for the official postgame show. Please tune in next week at 7 a.m. as Notre Dame heads to Chicago and the Badgers of Wisconsin. Grab your coffee and donut and tune us in. For Vince Dodaro, this is Tim Growl. We wish you a safe and beautiful day. Thank you for listening to the Legacy Heating and Air Game Day show on your home for Fighting Irish Football, Sports Radio 960, WSBT, South Bend. Go Irish.
Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 